I'm Nina, and welcome to the See the Upside podcast, where we talk about all things post-divorce, but also have all kinds of great conversations about how to live your very best life. Our discussions hit real-life topics that we dig deep into, like wellness, friendship, dating, spirituality, love, following your dreams, and healing, to name a few. We love to talk about everything that's fun and feels good in life, from chakras to Chanel, all of it. But we also get honest about life's challenges that come up and how to find strength, purpose, and positivity through the really hard. We're here to share our journeys, have honest conversation, laugh, and find light in all of the things. Thanks for joining the conversation, and I really hope you enjoy the show. Let's dive in. My guest today is Erica from Esteem Wellness. Esteem Wellness is a holistic wellness counseling service. And if you're not sure what that means, basically, Erica helps you to live a healthier, happier life through making better holistic nutritional choices that work for you. Erica guides each one of her clients through their own unique wellness journey, helping them find just the path that works exactly best for them. She steers each client towards positive health change, greater self-confidence, and helps them find more peace and happiness in their lives along the way. She has a very personal approach and has helped her clients handle all kinds of nutritional blocks and issues, including gluten allergies, emotional eating habits, Crohn's disease, and other complicated issues that affect nutrition, health, and well-being. In our interview, we don't just talk about the nutrition side, but we dive deep into how nutrition affects so many other things in our lives and how stress and change can affect our overall wellness. Erica started studying nutrition when going through a difficult divorce. She struggled staying and feeling healthy and found that through focusing on her own well-being, she felt better and she finally found her way to a happier, more meaningful life. I love talking with Erica. She's so warm, kind, thoughtful, and open and knows everything I wish I knew about nutrition and healthy living. I learned so much and loved our conversation. I know you'll love her too. Sit back, enjoy the show. Hi. How are you? How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Well, let's go ahead and dive into the interview. I'm so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Yeah, this will be great. Yeah. And we met online. I know that you were kind of traveling in circles of divorced communities as you were starting your business and looking to connect with people that way. But your business is actually focused on overall wellness, right? Yeah. So divorce was really the catalyst that got me into it. So while I was going through my divorce, I enrolled in school to study nutrition because I just I, my intuition, I feel like I just knew I was going to be on my own. And so it was like, okay, come up with a plan. My, my ex-husband was in medical school. And so I had been with him all through medical school, sort of knowing the payoff of that was going to be, we would always have this stable job, you know, everyone needs doctors. So I, it was sort of like, let's get through medical school and then we'll be okay. You know, we'll always be set. And suddenly that was taken away from me and my stability was just gone. So like you just said, it was about figuring out how to do it on my own. So I I started nutrition school because my health during my divorce just went out the window. I mean, I was a stress monster. And so I got into this and it just really spoke to me. And I feel I work with a lot of divorced women and, um, it just kind of feels weirdly full circle that, you know, such a difficult thing in my life brought such a positive outcome and this new community of women that I just like love and adore so much. Cause you know, we're awesome. Like we're, yeah. <laughs> we had this beautiful thing and just taken away and like, we're figuring it out. And I, I love that so much. So, yeah. 
Well, I love the concept that you bring up of taking something that's really, really hard and turning it into something that's really extraordinary and beautiful and probably life-changing for you, that this whole career, you know, if you kind of look at what if you were still married, still living that life, you wouldn't have had this amazing experience. I mean, I'm sure you would have had other beautiful experiences, but, you know, it's, I think yeah. one of the things that I really focus on with see the upside is trying to really take very, very hard things and find the gem in them, find the strength, find the, the way to come out stronger and better. And obviously in the middle of all the pain and the heartache and the difficulty, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like it's going to be all of those things, but usually in life, our biggest growth happens and our biggest opportunity happens in kind of our deep dive worst moments. 100%. And, and that's exactly what it was. You know, my, my stability was taken out from under me and I just had to figure it out. And I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had that. Um, I don't want to use the word desperate, but I wouldn't have had that, that high stakes, like you know, you, you, yes, yeah. I just wouldn't have done it. I could have sort of just been coasting by and been perfectly comfortable. And I think in the uncomfortable is how I found this. And I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, that's amazing. So when you say your health went out the window during the divorce, what did that look like for you? Because I think for everybody, it looks a little different and you hear a lot of stories. We, I, I actually interviewed someone recently. You may know her, Lindsay Shack who helps women going through divorce specifically with like overeating issues. And that was a lot of her um, lifelong struggle was dealing with overeating and self-worth and stuff. For me personally, when I got divorced, it was the opposite. Like I couldn't eat anything. I exercise and I did yoga like two or three times a day. And I think it was in a way looking back at it, it was like, I was trying to control something in the midst of like a hurricane of chaos. I don't know. I think me, I just didn't feel like eating at all. I mean, I just didn't. Yeah, I was the exact same. I, I'm already like kind of a small person. I didn't, I, and I just, I lost weight. I didn't even think about it. I had no appetite. Some days I would just want candy and that was all I would eat, which now <laughs> to me sounds like absolutely nuts. And I mean, I lost my hair, like my hair was falling out. It just like so rapidly, I got melasma on my face from the stress. Like it just, my body was screaming, like, please change something. And I, yeah, I, when I started getting my appetite back is when I was able to say, okay, I'm healing because I really, I went so long. I was just, I was so small and everyone in my life was like, what is going on with you? You look so sick. And it wasn't even like I was consciously trying to not eat. I just had no appetite, like you said, yeah. from the stress. And, and I stopped exercising because I just like, I wanted to lay, I wanted to lay, or I wanted to just be on the phone with a friend. Like I, so I stopped that. It just, it all sort of went up in flames. And through this school, this was like a really good reminder for me of, you know, you are not taking care of yourself. And it's when it, when I started to turn it around, I felt so empowered. I was like, okay, I'm getting myself back. This guy is not going to take my health from me amongst everything else that's happened. And it just, it felt so good to start to nourish my body again in more ways than one, you know? Yeah. Isn't it amazing how our bodies speak to us in that oh way? Gosh. Like they, they really tell us you need to change something. You're not okay. Whether it's with rashes or weight loss, or even just a feeling we get in our stomach when we're around a certain person, it's our bodies telling us something. And that's really, you know, I've really started to try to be more in tune to that and shift kind of how I listen to my body. And like what you're saying, how I nourish my body, like nourishment is such a key word. I mean, I think so many of us in this day and age go through life just trying to trying to just like eat to to get it done 
or to eat to look good or something. You know, for many years, it was like protein bars and shakes and, you know, processed stuff for me because it was convenient and because I got the results I wanted from my body. Yeah. But really, uh, even, I mean, just in the past, I would say a few months, I've really started to shift that focus not only with eating and food, but with everything, like the way I speak to myself and my mind and the way um, I honor if I want to go for a walk and be out in nature. I I recently stopped running. I wrote a blog post about that, that I ran for years and years and years. And I feel like it was a, almost like a punishment but also a running away from everything that I was doing. It was running. It was something that just because it was pain and sweat, it just like made everything else go away temporarily, but it all comes back. It doesn't, you know, doesn't totally go away. And so I've shifted and really gotten into what feels good. Like running doesn't feel good for me anymore. It hurts my body. I can't walk for like a day afterwards does make me kind of sad because I did kind of love running in, in a lot of ways, but I've just really kind of shifted, you know, and started just treating myself and my body better. And I think that's a huge thing that comes out of divorce that this wellness thing that you're doing is really not just about food. It's about taking care of you. hundred percent. Yeah. My education and the way I treat my clients is, is holistic health. So it's a whole mind, body, soul thing. So eating is just one piece of it, but it's all grounded in what you were saying of just really learning how to listen to your body. And I'm sure, um, Lindsay talked about it with overeating. You learn how to mindfully eat is what the sort of the term for is, is mindful eating and how to learn how to stop those triggers for yourself. And it's the same thing with movement. And I find this with women, especially so much. We're conditioned to work out. It's a punishment. It's like, I ate too much. I have to work out. I, you know, I know this is coming. I have to work out. I want to look good for this. And so it's never really, it's not an empowered thing a a lot of the time. And so shifting that mindset and listening to what your body really wants. And actually my clients tend to lose more weight when they do yoga and long walks instead of a four mile jog, because it's what their body is actually in need of. And it heals more than just the physical, you know, a long walk. There's so many healing benefits to that. And so it, yeah, it's about this whole body approach that everything is connected and divorce for me was the catalyst for understanding that because I had to listen to everything to get myself back, you know? Yeah. Isn't it amazing in divorce? I feel like women can really lose themselves, you know, and, and really give over so much of themselves. And it's not, it's not like a bad thing in a way because it's so selfless, but the problem is when you let go of yourself completely. You don't have anything inside to give anymore because you're not filling yourself up. Like you're not doing your, your fundamental job on this planet of making sure that you are functioning and feeling good so that you can be your best self for everybody around you. You know, I think we, as women feel like, Oh, it's selfish. Like, you know, to take a bath or to have alone time or to go for a walk. Like that's, I always felt like, and sometimes in marriages, it is like that. Like you have to sort of fight for your time. Like you have to sort of lobby for it and prove the value and say, well, I need this. Like, you know, because a lot of times in marriages, it, it isn't really offered like, no, you go, you know, you have to sort of insist on it. Whereas I think when you're divorced, hopefully you learn to allow that for yourself and sort of give it to yourself as a fundamental right, but also a gift, you know, that like taking care of yourself is something we're all entitled to do. And if we don't, the costs are so high. I mean, we're just not able to sustain that. It's not possible. You're like empty, you know? Oh, absolutely. I'm not a mom. I think you're a mom. I I can't imagine. And and I mean, even with my family and my close friends, I was such. But yeah, I I was such a shell of myself, and just going through all those emotions of like anger and all of that stuff. I was so snappy with my my close friends and family. I 
you know, everyone was just trying to help and like love on me so much, but I wasn't loving myself. I wasn't taking care of myself. So all of that is for nothing, you know? And it wasn't until I started nourishing my mind, body, and soul that I got back to myself and was, you know, finally in a place where I felt like I could date someone else and be a good partner, which is like a huge, you know, hurdle to overcome. And, but (laughs) Absolutely. I think women are under this pressure, especially moms, to just be selfless, be selfless. And and selflessness is sort of celebrated in our culture, which I sometimes find a little bit bizarre. Like, why should you have to sacrifice yourself always for everyone else? Of course, there's a time and a place where other people should come before you. But if you're not the best you can be, that you can't you can't love others as as best as you can. You know, you're not living up right. to your potential. And it just it all starts with self. I'm I'm such a believer in that for sure. You know what I've realized too is that, and this is kind of along those same lines, is we have to learn how to receive gracefully. Like, you know, for for so long, I was like, no, 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 I don't need help. I don't want that. I don't need that. And it's actually unfair of us to think that we're the only ones that are allowed to give. We have to let other people give too, because we get so much joy and fulfillment out of giving. We should allow other people to do that too, because they get that same feeling. It's not, it's almost a I know it goes into, and this is like deep diving into the psych side, but like controlling behaviors and stuff of wanting to be the only one that's always giving. That was something I really had to learn how to do, to learn how to receive, whether it's receiving like a gift from a friend or a compliment even, or things like that, just learning how to graciously receive and to, to learn how to do that, I had to sort of be uncomfortable for a little bit until I got comfortable. And then you start kind of liking it where you're like, wow, this feels good. And it makes them feel good too. Like I need to learn this. I need to understand this and get better at it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I found towards the end of my divorce, I closed off so much just because I think I was on like emotional overload and I closed off to really everyone, even my best friends. And I remember one of my friends calling me one day and saying, Erica, you know, we want to help you, right? We want to help you get through this and we're here to help you. And I remember just being like, oh, I don't have to do this on my own. You want to take some of this load from me and just like totally breaking down and having such a necessary cry and letting myself be vulnerable. You know, there's, just in the way that we're told to be selfless, it's like, be strong, be strong, be strong. And I took that as just plow through, you know, you got to get through this on your own, prove that you're strong, prove that you're strong. And there's so much strength and vulnerability and asking for help. And it, it was such a relief to have a team cheering for me and, you know, just like waiting to see me on the other side of this. And Another part of holistic wellness is community. It's my favorite part, actually, because it's so important. Feeling connected is so, so important, especially as a single woman or a single anyone, you know, there's, there is more to life than your relationship. There's so many other facets of relationship that can be just as fulfilling if you're open to it, you know, and, and I just love that community piece. It's, it's something I, I stress a lot with my clients because we need other people. We really do. We can't do it alone. And why should we, you know? Well, and I think it goes back to that receiving thing too, which is, I, and I've learned this from my circle of really close friends that it's an honor to show up a friend who's going through something hard. That's how I feel on the giving end. If I have a friend who's struggling with something, I want them to choose me to be by their side. You know, that's a real gift to me and it's an honor to be able to show up for them. So I think on the receiving end, we have to shift a little bit and realize that we're letting our friends show up for us, that they want to. And by saying no, it's actually almost kind of hurtful to them. And we think we're, we're, I think sometimes in my hardest moments, I felt like I, I wanted to shield people from the messiness. Like I felt like I was, 
I was emanating negativity and I just didn't want to carry that into my friendships and put that on my friends. But I don't think they feel that way. And I never feel that way when my friends are going through something hard. So it's learning to to be able to fix that thinking and to understand that that's the flow of friendship, that it isn't always champagne and cocktail, you know, whatever life out and celebrating. It's also going through those hard moments. And those hard moments are sometimes the moments that, as you said, with vulnerability, really connect you the most too, you know, that really provide that, that deep connection that we really, really want that authenticity and honesty and trust and all those things that we want in a friendship. Yeah, I feel, yeah, authenticity, that's huge. And, and I wasn't being authentic in my friendships by saying I can handle this on my own because I couldn't. And it was huge for me to allow someone else to receive, you know, my load or my burden because in my friend group, I'm the happy one. I'm the positive one and peppy. And, you know, I thought I had to stay in that role and just keep that facade on. It was so fake, you know, and everyone saw right through it. I wasn't fooling anyone. And so, yeah, to allow someone else in was just, it was so healing for me. And, and I did, I got so much closer to my friends and I mean, I wouldn't have gotten through without them, you know? Yeah. And they probably loved it. They probably loved seeing you be honest with them because that's really honoring your relationship that you trust them enough to be real. And that's exactly it. But it was the trust for me. I think I had lost trust in such a big way and, and I had let that bleed into my friendships and I, it was almost offensive to some of them, to my closest friends, you know, they just so desperately wanted me to trust them. And it, they hadn't done anything. You know, I was just carrying baggage over from something else. And you're right. It's, it's a compliment to them. And I feel that too. I love when my friends turn to me. I really love it. But you know what? It's a trauma response. I mean, when you go through a difficult divorce or whatever, you know, a difficult relationship situation, you do go into protecting your heart. And, you know, it takes a little, little baby steps, step by step to climb out of that and to be able to trust again. So absolutely. Because, and, and, you know, it starts obviously before the divorce, right? There's obviously issues leading up to the divorce. And so I had been closed off for so long without even realizing it, because I think that was just my survival mode of how to get through the day. And so, you know, to get through, I I just, I had been so conditioned to sort of that, protecting myself and being closed off that when I did come out from behind that wall, it just felt incredible. I just felt so free and so in my own skin and just like, yes, hug me, please. Like, <laughs> let me hug you, you know, like oh, metaphorically or, or otherwise it, it did. It felt so good. Isn't it amazing how easily we get stuck into that place though of shielding it's it's almost like it was a protective um measure that we took uh, and I, I have a little bit of that too where you don't let yourself become vulnerable and when you do it for years and years and you're living that way you almost don't you need to relearn it you know you yeah. don't really even know how anymore and that you know it's it's it just takes a little time i think Yeah. I'll never forget when, um, I was at doing a job with someone and again, I had clung to this positive mentality and I was going, it was the first month of our separation. And someone said to me, well, you're Erica, nothing ever goes wrong for you. And I just felt so alone in that moment because I thought, oh my gosh, no one understands how much pain I'm in, but that's my own fault. I wasn't letting anyone see that I needed, you know, a little bit of care. And so I had to really step back and say like, okay, you can go on pretending that everything's perfect, which is like a whole other conversation about social media and all that, like, or you can get real and let your community step up for you. And the latter just, there was so much relief in that. It felt great. It's so interesting because I think, 
I'm kind of a perfectionist like you are too. And I think what, why do you think we feel like that's even a good idea? Like, I don't like perfectionism in other people. Why do I do that? I haven't figured that out yet. Like, why is that something compelled to do? I, I, I don't know. It's interesting for me. I've noticed in myself when I try to portray perfectionism is when I'm actually struggling the most. And when I'm able to come to something really authentically and show my vulnerabilities and show my quote unquote weakness is when I feel like I'm actually growing. And so it's good for me when I'm, when I feel those perfectionist urges, you know, those habits come back to play this facade like I used to do as now that I'm being more mindful, I'm able to notice that and then say, what are you hiding? You know, and, and that that's really been helpful for me. Yeah. That's so interesting. And for me, like I told you earlier, I've tried to sort of change that inner voice because my inner voice used to sit. I mean, like I started noticing it recently and it's like, my voice is going, what is wrong with you? Why would you do that? I mean, like, it is so mean. If I ever talk to another person like that, they would never speak to me again. And I, my voice says that, you know, and life isn't about getting yeah. it perfect. I mean, whether it's eating or our personal growth journey or relationships, we're going to make mistakes. And that's, that's being human. That's how life is. That's how we learn and grow. And I think the more gracious and open and accepting you are of just owning the mistakes and embracing them and being okay with them, the more, the easier the solutions and the growth comes afterwards. You know, it's when you fight and you deny, and I didn't do that. And why am I so stupid? And all those things that doesn't get you anywhere, you know, and it doesn't, everybody lives life with mistakes. That's just how it goes, you know? Yep. My, my golden rule that I've adopted is that if I wouldn't say it to a friend, I don't say it to myself and I'll, you know, I still have negative self-talk. I, it happens to everyone. And then I'll say, you know, would you say that to Katie or would you say that to Nick? No, you wouldn't. And then change the dialogue in my head because it's true. It's, it literally does nothing. And now there's so much science behind positive self-talk and manifestation and all of those things that prove to be successful and fruitful. And like, what is the point of the negativity? It's just beating. It's just like metaphorically punching yourself in the face. Like that's, we don't need that. Yeah. <laughs> we've done, it, we've done yeah. enough of that. Oh yeah. It doesn't, well, and like sometimes when someone else says something negative to me, like whether it's in a work setting or in a personal setting or something, I think about like what my reaction is. Does it make me want to be better? Does it make me want to learn? Does it make me want to improve? No, it really doesn't. Like when it's like, why did you do that? That was a really dumb mistake. It's like, that just does not make you, it's, it's a fear based style of discipline or learning. And most people I think don't react well to that. It might get you a short term result, but in the long term to have real change and growth and confidence and all those things, it needs to be positive. You know, it needs to be like, Hey, you know, I know you were trying your best, but when you made this decision, you might've wanted to think about this, like, you know, why don't you sit with that and kind of figure out what maybe would be a better solution next time, you know, and that yeah. to me is just, I thrive so much more under that. So why don't I treat myself that way? So that's one of my, really one of my 2021, I was just writing out kind of four key kind of, they're sort of broad general, um, almost like core values I'm going to focus on in 2021, little shifts that I'm trying to make within myself. And that is one of them is the way I talk to myself, the way I communicate with myself, the way I react to 
things that I do to just be more compassionate, to be more kind, to be more patient, to be more loving and see what happens. Good for you. I love that. I think that's great. Here we come 2021. I know. Can't get <laughs> Yeah, I know. A little bit more about your program. What I know you have like different services that you offer. What do those look like? So I offer different session packages. So you could do a three or a six session. And then I'm what's been most popular in the last couple of months has been this thing I do called the core and cleanup, which is a one session. Basically, we take an hour, we check in, we look again, it's holistic. So we look at everything, the food, what I say on and off your plate. And we, I make some little tweaks um, and some adjustments. We go through your vitamins and supplements and see what might, you might be lacking depending on the season, especially now that it's winter. Um, and then just to try and shift a little bit to make the most, it looks like we still have maybe a couple months of, of, you know, isolation ahead. I don't know how it is out there, but here we're pretty locked, locked down. So just to make the most of this time that we have and health has gone out the window for a lot of people just as we're trying to cope. So that's been really, really awesome and really successful. Um, And then I do a pantry clean out, which is one of my favorites. I go through your pantry and I offer like healthier swaps or, you know, more nutritious swaps than what you're currently using. Um, So that's a big one. And is it like out with all the processed, like anything? Yeah. Well, there's just so much processed food here. And it's interesting, you know, I've studied a lot of what's uh, like illegal abroad that is legal here. And it's really wild. So like, for instance, certain flavors of Gatorade that we can get anywhere are illegal in Europe and just stuff like that, that we're, we're not really aware of because it's just part of our culture. And, um, even like lotions and body washes, oh, yeah. they are much stricter in Europe than they are. Yeah. And the, cl- the clean beauty wave is starting to pick up a lot more in the U S yeah. we just have, we just have looser reg- regulations. Um, and I'm sure it's tied into money stuff and um, yeah. different partnerships with the government, but it's getting better here. I mean, clean, people are, are more in tune with clean beauty. I think that's a great thing about social media is it's connecting us to other cultures and we're yeah. see, sort of being able to see like, oh, you guys don't have that. Well, why not? And and then adjust from there. But I also think processed food is becoming more of a conversation here and just some some things should not be legal. <laughs> and I think it will change probably in the next five or 10 years. Crazy. I mean, I was born in 72 and processed food was just like almost everything that we ate. I mean, there was very, yeah, it's just what you did. The turkey meat that came packaged to, I mean, so many things, even these days, like the apples, the, even the organic apples that you buy in the little packages. I mean, there's something on them to keep them from going brown. Like Gosh, yeah, hard to get away from it. It is, it is wild, and it's hard because you want to, you do, you want to preserve the food, and and the whole, the sort of the other side of, yeah, yeah, and sort of the other side of the argument is, you know, making nutritious foods accessible to everyone means you have to preserve them in some way, and it's tough. I mean, I don't really know the answer except if we all had amazing local farmer, you know, farmers markets on our corners every Saturday. Um, But that's not, not the case everywhere. What would you say to someone who has kids? Like I have a 15 year old son and he literally, his five food groups are like chicken nuggets, mac and cheese, ramen, goldfish, and uh, like chips. I mean, they're all white. They're all processed. There's enough sodium for an entire year. And like, yes, yeah. I mean, teenagers are hard. It's actually easier with younger kids. I just say like, make swaps. Like for us, you know, my boyfriend loves pasta. We just do only like lentil based, black bean based um, pasta. It tastes the same. It doesn't taste different, especially if you use like a sauce and they're getting protein. It's not white flour. So like that's an easy swap. Chips, they have some great, you know, quote unquote healthy chips that aren't just healthier. You know, like there's, there are swaps you can make that 
with just more active nutrients in, in the products. I mean, ramen, <laughs> that, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> Those little like styrofoam. Yes. Yeah, well, yeah. I think maybe the key with teenagers is to try to do better and not strive for perfection. Like my, Absolutely. my me, I went to the grocery store the other day and he asked for fruit roll-ups. So I didn't buy like the fruit roll-up, like the process. I, I mean, they're all processed, but I bought the ones that were hundred percent fruit. And I don't think he really cares. You know, he'll, they're like fruit strips or whatever, and they're organic hundred yeah. percent fruit. It's just fruit and fruit juice. So it's not a ton of yeah. sugar. So I feel like that's better. You know, it's maybe not as good as like an apple, but absolutely out for that guy. Like it's just not happening. So yeah, one not in the right no, that's exactly right. Yeah. And that's the case for everyone. I mean, I think it's hard. There's so many diet plans. There's so many opinions about, you know, it's good to be vegan. It's not good. Meat's good. It's not good. There's just so many opinions floating around food, especially. And so I think I always go by the 80, 20. And I think with kids like 50, 50 is great, you know, like just do your best and set them up. I mean, when he's off on his own and however many years, I find that usually people start to tap back in and realize, oh, this food doesn't feel good, especially for guys as they age, they realize like, oh, I'm actually really tired after I eat this food, or I'm not sleeping well if I eat this food. And then they sort of adjust on their own. That's an interesting concept is teaching them to be in tune to their bodies, teaching them to pay attention to how they feel, you know, like, does eating these kind of items make you feel really tired? Do these items give you energy? And that's one of my approaches with my son is he's 15. He's doing sports. It's like, if you're going to eat all this junk, your, your body's like your sports machine, you know, you, you want to fuel it with things that give you energy that make you feel good. And so I think that's, it's starting to resonate with him a little bit. I also have two daughters, an 18 year old and a 13 year old. And I think they're pretty, you know, they're interested. They like learning about nutrition. They had nutrition classes in school. So I think they're, they're on the road to making good decisions. And I pretty much let them kind of decide, you know, what they want from the grocery store. I'll pick them up, whatever it is that they need, you know, I'll make it happen for them. So they like learning, they like cooking, they like baking. And I think that's good. You know, that's great. That's so great. Just to be interested, I think, in the process of food is a win. And there's, they have access to anything they want. And I think it is key to see how they feel because something that you can't escape is blood sugar levels and, you know, the spikes of blood sugar and what's that, what that's doing to you. And I think back when I was in high school, before I'd play a soccer game, I'd pound two Snickers bars. And like, what was I thinking? And had I had maybe a chicken sandwich, you know, would I have performed better? Probably. And so it is interesting to encourage those conversations of like, well, how did that make you feel? And it's sort of the same thing around conversations with drugs and alcohol. And, and it's food kind of applies in, in the same way. It's just, well, did you feel great after that Big Mac? And maybe they, they'll say yes, but they'll probably realize in time that they don't. Well, and I think not assuming that they know, because I think a lot of people actually don't know or understand nutrition. And we, you know, I was raised in a time where all these fad diets, like you were talking about, like, now we've got keto and, you know, all these other ones. But when I was growing up, it was like the grapefruit diet, the cabbage soup diet, like, you know, all these weird things to make you lose weight to sort of abuse and starve your body in the short term. So you could go back to the unhealthy habits and you know, a a lot of people just didn't understand that it's ongoing wellness. It's not about achieving a goal. It's about, well, it is sort of about achieving goal, but the goal is different than you think. It's not about weight. It's about feeling good and doing what's good for your body, not just, you know, looking a certain way or whatever. Because if you look a certain way, but you feel horrible. Yeah. 
that's not good. And, and like you were saying, your body will show you signs, your skin won't be good. You know, there, there will, you'll be tired. There will be ways that your body will say, this isn't working for you. You know, you need to change something. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I know you also address issues with people who have, you know, different stomach issues like Crohn's disease and that kind of thing. How do yeah. you handle those sort of situations? Yeah. Autoimmune um, diseases are becoming way more common. They're trying to figure out why they're, they're about three times more likely in women than they are in men. They think it has something to do with stress. My clients with autoimmune disease have generally been through some kind of trauma and, you know, divorce included. I count that as traumatic for sure. And it's interesting with them, the elimination is huge. So one of the first things they'll do is take out gluten, dairy, and sugar They'll try that for two weeks and see how they feel. 9.9 times out of 10, they feel a lot better because with autoimmune, the idea is you just want to get the inflammation down. Your body's inflamed, your, the microbiome in your gut is off, your gut lining is feeling funky. So it's all about resetting the gut. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is through stress regulation, you know, obviously movement, yoga, long walks, things that are low impact are good for autoimmune. And then also the taking out the inflammatory foods is huge. And I mean, I've had clients that have been able to go off their medicine if they really follow that diet. It's hard. That is a hard, hard diet to follow. So even if you're doing 80, 20, that's great. Taking out anything that's inflammatory. 80, 20. So 80-20 means like 80% I'll eat or these clients will eat no gluten, no dairy, no. Okay. Um, and then 20% they'll, you know, have the freedom to do what they want. Yeah. I find it's a helpful way of eating so that because restrictive diets tend to backfire. So if you have this 80-20 thought process, you know, you have the room to eat X, Y, and Z, and you can choose to do that how and whenever you want. And then it doesn't feel like, oh, I'm doing something bad or, you know, this is a cheat or whatever the vocabulary is. Yeah. And so that just, yeah. And so that tends to work better than Mm -hmm. any sort of deprivation. Well, and it's like we were saying, that's better than just doing a free for all. Like it may not be perfection but it's much better. So yes, it's not all nothing with a lot of these things. It's about doing the best that you can. Yeah. And it also leaves room to still enjoy things like the holidays or, you know, cocktails out with your friends without feeling like, Oh, I'm throwing everything off. Like, no, if you're, if you're following whatever your plan that works for you is most of the time, that's great. That is a win and you will see results and feel successful and then not feel like you're having to have weird stress and anxiety around, you know, quote unquote, fun foods or occasions and things like that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. I recently cut out all sugar just to do it. And I thought it would be really hard because I like dark chocolate. I like wine here and there. And it wasn't that hard. You know, it's all, I think for me, it's all about the habit. Like once I'm out of the habit and I don't expect to have certain things at certain times of the day, I felt so much better because like I would eat a little piece of Dove dark chocolate probably every day around like three But then at like four, I would get really tired. Like I would want to take a nap. And I think it was the sugar and the chocolate, you know, it's so interesting how absolutely kind of start paying attention. But, and then I just didn't even like, then after a while, sugar becomes almost too sweet, you know, like I don't really like sugar that much anymore. I mean, I still like it in like raspberries or something like that, but not like a, a candy bar, a piece of chocolate. Like to me, that's almost too much now. Yeah. So you had mentioned vitamins. What kind of vitamins do you typically recommend? Well, it varies person to person, but I generally say for women, especially in the winter, you want to make sure you have a B12 or a B complex. The B vitamin is something that most women are lacking um, and it makes such a difference in energy. So I'm with you when I am off sugar, um, 
my energy feels so much better. And I'm such a napper. I love my afternoon nap, like 10 minutes and it'll turn my day around. But when I'm taking my B vitamin consistently, I never get that afternoon slump. I never get that sugar craving. So B is huge. Vitamin D is huge in the winter. So I'm always big on that. Um, Most women like to take like a biotin, a hair, skin, and nails. I just always recommend that you take one or the other. If you overdo the biotin, it can irritate your skin and cause you to break out. And it's just a little too much on your system. Um, So those are the go-tos. Usually calcium, especially for my vegan clients, um, for women is, is a big one. And iron, of course, is huge, especially around your period. Um, and a lot of times you can get those in a wellness, um, just like one pop bite, like women's wellness vitamin. It's the bees you really want to look out for and make sure that they're included. Um, but again, it varies person to person and diet to diet. You know, it, what you, whatever you're not eating, I tend to up in, in supplements. Yeah. And do you have a brand that you recommend? I don't, I mean, I like, um, the garden of life. Like I, I always recommend my clients take a probiotic. Um, and there's, I have on my, on my page, what you want to look for in a probiotic and what you want to oh, look for. In a, yeah. I want to, in a vitamin because I think probiotics are so confusing to me. They are. Yeah. There's a lot going on. I I'll send you the little breakdown that I have. Okay. Um, and it's just, yeah, you want to look for certain active ingredients and a certain seal that it's been, you know, checked by the right people. And I like to keep mine in the fridge. And then I say, you know, take your probiotic at night before bed, because when you're sleeping, it's usually the only time your stomach is sort of resting. So it can really take in the probiotic, let the probiotic work while your body is, you know, resting and recovering. Oh, Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I feel like the labels, they're they're like, you know, 10 million microbes Mm. or whatever. And then there's like 10 billion. And I'm like, do we need that money? (laughs) You know, it just feels like, I know it's it's so many. A billion. I I don't know. (laughs) So you have them. Yeah. It's so many. Yes. Yeah. And I'll make sure I'll make sure to get that to you. Okay. And do you have a preference with like, like I've gotten it in like a yogurt form, which I actually like, like in a, that's great whole foods or whatever, but then you can also take like tablets or pills or, you know, capsules or whatever. Does it matter? It doesn't matter as long as you're meeting the certain ingredient depends on what your goal is. Like some women want one vaginal issues. So there's like certain ones geared towards women and there's certain geared just towards men. And then there's sort of like generic ones. So it just depends on w- what your focus is. And it, it, you do want to look at those like billions of ingredients. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But as long as you're getting it and you're taking it regularly, that's great. Okay. And why are they so important? Can you explain that? Just kind of like a brief overview. Yeah. So, so the mind gut, the mind gut connection is huge. It's something that we are starting to focus on a lot more, but basically what's been discovered is that the bacteria in your gut is affecting what's going on in your mind. So it affects your brain health. So you want to make sure your gut is healthy, not just for your digestion, but also for your mental clarity and depression and anxiety and things like that. So the probiotic helps to put the good bacteria in your gut and then to get rid of the bad bacteria that things like processed foods and and stress can, you know, pop up in there. So it just helps to populate your gut with the good bacteria that it needs to break everything down and communicate to your brain. And then to flush out some of the bad stuff. Okay. All right. Very cool. That was helpful. So what's next for you? You have your wellness program. Do you have like your new, you know, private label personalized vitamin supplements coming out or a cookbook or I'm sure. It's a great question. I'm actually working on an ebook that's um, 30 days of self-care Um, There's some recipes in there for uh, like different smoothies and things that I like that I think feel really good. And it's sort of an interactive book. So you can sort of write things in as you go and just log what feels good and what doesn't. 
And the whole purpose of the book is to help people get in tune with themselves and to start listening to themselves a little bit more. So that's coming in the new year. I'm very excited about that. Oh, I'm going to get that. I love it. Yeah, it'll be fun. Cool. And where can everybody find you? Like, where can they follow you on Instagram? And you have a website as well, so they could sign up for a consultation. Yeah. So my Instagram is at esteem wellness and I'm on there a lot. If you DM me, I will always get back to you. And then my website is esteemwellness.co. Um, and that's also my email address, esteemwellness at gmail.co. And, um, I, yeah, I love to hear from you. There's a place you can write into me on my website. You can DM me, you can email me anytime. Oh, great. Well, thank you so much. I learned so much. It was so fun talking to you. And I love learning more about health and wellness. I'm always looking to make improvements and I'm fairly disciplined, but I feel like there are ways that I can always learn something new and get better. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad you learned something. That is awesome for me to hear. And I am just in awe of you going through all of this with three teenagers. Power to you. So much respect and admiration for that. Bad days, you know? I mean. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure. (laughs) Thanks for joining today's episode of See the Upside podcast. For more details about today's guest and show notes and links, visit our website at seetheupside.com. You can find us on Instagram at see.theupside and Facebook at seetheupside. If you love today's show, please spread the light by giving us a rating or sharing it with a friend. We appreciate you so much and love sharing the positivity with anyone who could be inspired by it. We're all on a beautiful journey and it's so much more fun doing it together and sharing our stories with each other along the way. Can't wait till next time.